Welcome to this week's episode of Doublestint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast. I'm John DeGeese, joined again this week by Dan Lloyd. How, how are you doing, Dan? Very well, John. Yeah, I've followed a lot of the action from Long Beach and looking forward to hearing your take from it. It was an exciting weekend. Absolutely. It was another busy, it'll be another busy show with us with a focus, like you said, on the IMSA Weather Tech Sports Car Championship at Long Beach. We'll also be recapping the news of the week, checking in with an update to the listener question from last week's show and looking ahead, looking ahead to this week's racing, which includes the European Le Mans Series season opener. But first, let's uh, recap the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. It was a commanding run for uh, Chip Ganassi Racing with a 1-2 finish, but wasn't so straightforward. I, I think maybe we might have a nomination for driver of the race already, the driver of the year already um, by a driver with Sebastian Bourdais um, having quite a recovery drive uh, in his opening stint. Yeah, what a thrilling race. Um, Sebastian Bourdais, the hero in the end, he, he lost the lead on lap five and, and managed to claw the gap back. He, he had some contact with Carl Washington at the hairpin, um, one of the GTD runners, but a real masterful drive from the Frenchman. Um, something like un, just under half a minute's gap that he had to uh, make up to the sister number two car. And, and, and what a performance on the streets of Long Beach as well, as well which is not a, an easy track to make up time in that kind of sense. They obviously didn't have the time in the race that would have been afforded to them at the previous two endurance rounds at Daytona and Sebring. So um, really sort of accentuated the, the nature of his charge uh, back up to the front of the field and, and, and a real deserved win there for Bourdais and Van der Zander, perhaps taking their claim to a championship bid there for Chip Ganassi Racing, which in itself had a one-two finish. Um, as we come out of Long Beach, we've got uh, Alex Lynn and El Bamba leading the standings by three points from Richard Westbrook and Tristan Vautier. But for Van der Zander and Bourdais, didn't pick up the maximum number of points they would have hoped for in the first two rounds. And certainly this is going to really help them as we head towards this mid-street, this, this mid-season stretch of uh, sprint races. Um, what do you think, John, in terms of Bourdais' performance? We've seen him. Have you ever seen a, por- a performance like that from Bourdais um, in recent sports car racing seasons in, in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship? It was really impressive. No, I haven't. Um, it was e- extremely impressive. And like I said, I think it might be the drive of the year um, yeah. already this early in the season to make up more than 20 seconds over the course of 25 laps at a street circuit at Long Beach. That's almost a second a lap. Um, I, I still don't know how he did it because it was full green flag runtime. Uh, we didn't have a safety car until one hour into the race. Um, he retook the lead on merit. It was in- absolutely incredible. And, and all things considered, you know, the DPI class is extremely competitive and just um, listening to, to how the, how he did it, it was just really, really impressive. Um, Ranger van der Zander said post-race that the car was just pretty much on rails, that his engineer, John Hennick, um, really put a great setup underneath them and, and they never felt a car as good as it was at, at Long Beach before. So I, I think that had a lot to do with it as well, but um, Seb's you know, experience at Long Beach played a, a huge factor, I'm sure, as well, having previous wins in in uh, open wheel and, and champ car, Indy car competition in the past. So um, really, really impressive stuff. Um, you know, I, I think there's not much more to say other than that. But we had the typical late race um, shenanigans um, going on, too, in the, in, the, in the race with Pepo Durrani and Tom Blomquist getting into each other with a couple minutes to go in the hairpin. That gave JDC Miller Motorsports another podium. And as you mentioned, Dan, um, keeps them in the championship hunt. They entered the weekend leading the points, but now they're second. But it's only a three-point gap. 
that's basically nothing in in the point structure for the WeatherTech Championship. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's anything to play for. And, um, you know, even though we've only got a, a six car DPI field, the, these crews are really showing the sort of level of competition they can bring. Um, what we can expect over the course of the season. I think it's pretty much impossible to predict where people are going to be um, in a few races time, let alone at the end of the season. So um, a real pleasure to watch and um, obviously nice to have a bit of variety coming in with the street circuit after two uh, hefty endurance rounds. Um, but in the end, it's Long Beach and the Cadillacs won. I think, that, am I right in saying, John, that's the fifth consecutive win for Cadillac? Long- They've been undefeated at Long Beach um, with the DPI. Mm. And I think the GM has been undefeated since 2014. So um, really, really impressive stuff from that manufacturer and the brand. Mm, absolutely. And then in the GCD Pro ranks, though, we had a slightly different um, manufacturer on, to- on top after a couple of really difficult rounds at the start of the season. The Heart of Racing managed to pull things together with their Aston Martin Vantage GT3, perhaps not without a bit of fortune going their way. How, how did things play out in the top GTD category at Long Beach? There were a lot of GT3 cars on track, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, 20 GT3 cars. Uh, well, 20 GTD cars, if you count the, the Corvette not being GT3 spec, but that was the car that actually dominated GTD Pro from pole. Um, Jordan Taylor putting in a really strong drive early on, um, stretching his gap from the, from the, from the pole. But um, trouble hit during their pit stop a very freak incident where the right front wheel nut came loose out of the the Corvette, basically became dislodged, and it flew into the radiator of the number nine FAF Motorsports Porsche um, while it was on pit lane, something I've never seen ever before. You can go to sportscard365.com, click on the Corvette um, projectiles, uh, the wheel nut uh, story that's up there, and there's a video um, that FAF provided of uh, of their pit stop, and it shows the wheel nut basically going right into the opening of the radiator um, at the front of the Porsche. And that basically punctured the the Porsche's radiator day done for them. The Corvette got a a drive-through penalty as a result. And that opened the door for Alex Riberis and Ross Gunn to take the win in the number 23 heart of racing Aston Martin. A a big win for them. As you mentioned, Dan, yeah, a really um, tough start to the season. They had DNFs in both of the races for their GTD Pro cars. So um, great stuff for them. Yeah, it, it's it's good to see different manufacturers up at the top at GTD Pro. I suppose when IMSA created the class, that was the sort of idea to have these different manufacturers fighting for the win um, in GT3 overall. I suppose it could have been even better for the heart of racing if there wasn't contact between Brian Sellers and Maxime Martin while battling for the lead um, in, in, in the other elsewhere in the field. It was um, really a strong performance from the Aston. I, I can't remember when the foot, when the last Aston GT3 street course victory would have been. I suppose that's one to look into the history books for. But yeah, certainly a way to kickstart their season. Um, it, in the other GTD class, mentioning that with Brian Sellers, um, how how did you sort of assess the GTD battle at Long Beach? I know Sellers beforehand was sort of suggesting that GTD Pro could perhaps get in the way of proceedings with with the traditional GTD class on on the streets of the California city. Um, In the end, he took the win with Madison Snow in the M4 GT3, the first win for that car in North America. John, um, how did you find their performance was in relation to the other GTD, uh, sorry, the other GTD runners? Yeah, it was pretty dominant. Um, Right from pole, uh, Madison Snow managed to get a gap in 
the GTD field, almost like what Brian was sort of predicting pre pre event. He managed to get ahead of the Lexus of of uh, Jack Hawksworth there and um, produced a little bit of a buffer between the G with the GTD Pro Car in the middle. And I think that's what really helped him in the opening stint. Um, Brian put in another stellar closing stint, like you said, had a bit of contact with Maxime Martin that ended up. Um, uh, closing off the day for the number 27 heart of racing. But we do have to take into account that there was no penalty from that incident. IMSA decided no further action on that, um, that contact. So it, it ultimately went the way of the Paul Miller racing BMW in the team's only second start with that car. See, they, they missed the uh, first round of the season and, and came on board at Sebring. Um, in terms of the championship though, do you think there's enough time for them to sort of come back and really be in the hunt for it? We've seen Paul Miller racing do so well in the GTD class before with their Lamborghini program. I mean, do you sort of think this, this result will kickstart their perhaps charge for a new championship hope with the BMW? Well, it's an interesting one because this actually counted just for WeatherTech sprint cup points for the start of the season. So they're Mm -hmm. on top right now in the championship, Um, obviously missing Daytona. That was for the full season championship. Um, this race doesn't help him for that, mm. but interestingly enough, um, the question was asked in the post-race press conference to Madison Snow of you know whether he's like, looking forward to the the Sprint Cup Championship now leading the, the 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 title and not having the chance really for the overall championship. And he actually said in the press conference that he thinks that IMSA has too many championships and they should just have an overall one, and they wouldn't have been in contention anyway. So a, a weird response by Madison, I'd have to say, um, after after the race, but um, as you point out I, I think it's certainly put some in, in in good shape for the sprint cup championship um that team is committed for for the remainder of the gtd races so um it, it was it was like i said i think it was a pretty commanding run by bmws overall two of the three bmws interestingly enough um were penalized following qualifying and it was a very interesting reason um they basically had exceeded the maximum engine speed permitted. They had gone over the 7,000 RPM limit on the balance of performance with these cars. And and talking to some folks post-qualifying pre-race, it actually was something to do with how the drivers shifted throughout the lap. Um, Madison Snow, who took the car to, to the Paul Miller car to pole, he had a different shifting pattern than um, Robbie Foley and Connor DiFilippi, who were the two other drivers in the other BMWs. And it ultimately spared uh, Madison of having a penalty where the other two BMWs ended up losing their three fastest laps. So um, really intriguing. We still don't have a complete answer on this. We know that BMW um, adjusted their, their, the RPM limits, the, the boost pressure ratios, um, for the cars pre-race to make sure they wouldn't run into the issue in the race. But it's kind of strange that a, a balance of performance table came out and this issue sort of struck the, the cars. It didn't look like they were trying to intentionally cheat in any kind of way, but, um, it was definitely a storyline, um, post-qualifying pre-race. Also in action over the weekend was the Porsche Carrera Cup North America presented by the Cayman Islands, their first ever street race. Um, both of them won by Kai Van Berlo in a pretty incident-filled pair of race, pair of 40-minute races. You can check the full results on sportscar365.com. All right, Dan, let's move to the news of the week. There's a lot of IMSA news to cover from, from the course of the week, including um, news of WeatherTech Racing's rotation of drivers for the remainder of the year. 
Uh, I talked with uh, Cooper McNeil over the course of the weekend, and he confirmed the lineup. And let's take a deep breath before I start this. It's Danny Juncadea for WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca and Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, Mikhail Grenier and Maro Engel for the Salem Six Hours at the Glen, Jules Gunan for the GT only races at Lime Rock Park and Virginia International Raceway, and Mikhail Grenier returning from O'Toole Petit Le Mans with a to be announced second driver alongside Cooper McNeil. <sighs> You gonna lie down? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's um, I I can't imagine it's any easier for the team. Um, I'm sure they've got a big spreadsheet with it all sorted out. But yeah, I mean this this obviously comes off the back of WeatherTech Racing um, siding with their Mercedes AMG GT3 Evo for the rest of the IMSA season. Um, having done the early part of the season with a Porsche 911 GT3R, uh, interesting choice. They, they've they've stuck with one manufacturer for the rest of the season. And, and obviously, as you said, John, based on the names that you've mentioned, really pulling on the might of Mercedes-AMG's factory driver roster, um, recently expanded roster with Nick Grenier joining the lineup. But when you look at the other names, I mean, you've got Gincadelia and Engel, who were both in the DTM last year, Engel still in it, Gunon as well, who's one of the manufacturers top drivers in gt3 competition particularly in europe um i, I mean they're, they're they're pretty spoilt for choice aren't they with the roster they've got um just sort of a bit of insight into how they've chosen that lineup perhaps i mean is there any sort of method to the madness in how they pick these particular drivers thinking about other european programs or just sort of trying to get an understanding of how things have come about and based on what we've heard from Cooper. I, I think it was mainly down to driver availability. Um, mm. it, it, all these drivers have full season programs mainly in Europe. And, and I think it just came down to what, what works for, for each of them d- during particular clashes throughout the year. I know that um, the team tried to get Shane Van Gisbergen for Petit Lama. He's not an AMG factory driver, but has history with WeatherTech and, um, apparently, I think he's rallying that weekend. I think he's taken up a, an Australian rally championship in addition to his um, Australian supercars commitment. So he's unable to do um, the season finale there. And they're still waiting to figure out who's going to be the second driver in that GTD in the GTD pro entry there. But um, nonetheless, yeah, there's no from what I could tell, there's no necessary strategy to the method of the madness of having all these different drivers. But it's not that dissimilar to what has been in the past with WeatherTech racing. They've gone through a lot of drivers in the past um, when they were with Porsche. So um, I, I guess this makes the most sense for, for now, given the short notice of the switch of the, of the, of the manufacturer to, to Mercedes for the rest of the year. Moving on, we, uh, Dan, you had the story on Sports Car 365 and the buildup to the Long Beach event. Um, Inception Racing is going to miss Detroit but pull double duty at Motul Petit Lama and the GT World Challenge Europe um, finale at Barcelona. Interesting um, concept here with a, a cross-Atlantic um, travel for Brendan Narib. It's another breathless program, John. I mean, I, I don't know how Baz Linder, <laughs> the team manager, gets any sleep at all because every time I talk to him, which is pretty often, there seems to be something different going on with the program. But they're, they're mapping out what they're going to do for the season um, and yeah, as you say, John, they're, they're going to miss the Detroit IMSA sprint round, which um, is sort of a inevitability, really, because when you think about it, this team has full time programs in IMSA, GT World Challenge Europe and the FIA World Endurance Championship. And all three of those have major events on the same weekend, that early June weekend. Unfortunately, Detroit is the one that's got to go. 
Uh, they're going to be focusing on the Paul Ricard 1,000 kilometres instead on the Saturday before doing the Le Mans test day with a Porsche the following day. Um, and if that isn't exhausting enough, then as you said, there's this crazy clash at the end of the year between Petit Le Mans and uh, the three hours of Barcelona, which the team is going to try and do. Um, the aim, as Baz told me, and um, listeners can read all about this on Sportscar 365, but the, the aim is for Brendan Arib to be in the best position to win as many championships as possible. Um, and when we're talking about the GT World Challenge Europe and, and the IMSA Championship, it's both of those on the same weekend. And he is facing the prospect of running both races on the same weekend on different continents. One is on the Saturday, Petit Le Mans, and one is on the Sunday, the three hours of Barcelona. Um, really incredible. I mean, kudos to everyone at Optima Motorsport who has been able to get this Inception Racing program going. They did a huge program last year. They're not doing as many series this year, but I actually think this is probably the more intensive one they've done based on these two clashes. Um, for the Barcelona one, for example, they're, they're gonna, they've, they've got this US-based McLaren, which they can use for the IMSA program. And they've also got their European-based McLaren. So fortunately, it's only a matter of getting personnel across. But even so, I mean, you can imagine if there's a, you know, Brendan Arib's going to have to leave Atlanta before the Petit Le Mans race finishes just to get there to Barcelona in time for qualifying on the Sunday morning. It's superhuman stuff. So real respect to the team for trying it um, and for giving it a go. It's a real passion for racing and and a lot of people involved who are going to put in some hard hours, but it's really, really fun to see how they're sort of managing these clashes. So while it's a shame we won't see them at Detroit, Inception Racing still fully focused on an IMSA program here, and they're going to be hoping to pick up a lot more points in the other sprint rounds um, as the year progresses. But yeah, lots going on in that camp. And um, no doubt that won't be the last time I speak to Baz this season. And no doubt it won't be the last time that the uh, the program has a different, <laughs> a different complexion. Yeah. changing all the time over there. Brilliant stuff. And hats off to the team, uh, particularly Frederick Shandoff. Um, he set the fastest lap during the Long Beach race in GTD, which was quite some interesting, uh, a little interesting tidbit there because that was his first time there at Long Beach, the team's first time. Um, McLaren has been there before, but uh, still um, really uh, hats off to, to that team for, for picking it up so quickly and, and for Brendan for keeping it out of the wall in a, definitely a, a very tricky track. We also had news on another team, um, two teams basically sort of coming together um, for the Sprint Cup races this season. Eurasia Motorsport, which is known for its exploits in in Asia, um, in the Asian Le Mans series and and other championships in the region, um, they're actually operating the Rick Rick Ware Racing Acura for the Sprint Cup season, um, driven by Aiden Reed and Ryan Eversley. That program came together as an extension of their um, collaboration from the 2021 Rolex 24 at Daytona, when Eurasia operated Rick Ware's LMP2 Liger in that race. So. Um, great to see some t some of the crew members from the Philippines finding some work over here in the States um, for the next couple months. And um, hopefully Eurasia and Mark Goddard and everybody there can get a full season program together um, when Asia starts to reopen. We, we know that there's some championships that are going to be running full season like uh, GT World Challenge Asia, but um, in, your, in Eurasia's circumstances, it's a little bit more challenging considering, the, um, I guess, the Philippines has a little stricter COVID protocols right now than other countries in Asia. Not as bad as China, as if you're anybody watching the, the news right now and what's going on in Shanghai. It's um, pretty, pretty crazy and unbelievable to see the lockdown there. But um, nonetheless, um, hopefully things are going to start to get back to 
a little bit more normal for some other countries in, in Southeast Asia. In brief, we had news this week that Lorenzo Colombo is replacing Juan Manuel Carrera in the European Le Mans Series season opener due to Carrera sustaining a foot injury. Um, he was slated to make his debut with Prema in, uh, in a sports car racing competition until breaking a meta, having a metatarsal fracture to his foot. Um, Porsche Sports Car Together Fest will return for a second edition at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Labor Day weekend this year, featuring Porsche Carrera Cup North America. And GMG Racing is set for an ambitious triple duty effort in the upcoming IMSA event at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, entering Porsches in the WeatherTech Championship, Michelin Pilot Challenge, and Carrera Cup featuring Kyle Washington. For more, you can go to SportsCar365 to check out all of the latest stories and news. Well, we didn't have any listener questions this week. We did get some further clarification on a question from Dr. Joey Bananas last week about the status of IMSA at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I had the chance to talk to IMSA President John Doonan about that, and he said it's still on the radar. It's still being discussed actively with Roger Penske, and there is a potential for it to come in 23. But if it does, it would be in a replacement round to an existing WeatherTech Championship event and not in addition. Dunan also ruled out um, essentially it being an endurance race, um, stating that the race lengths would have to stay the same for next year. And I don't think we're going to see any changes to the Michelin Endurance Cup rounds for 2023. Um, looking ahead at Daytona, Sebring, um, Watkins Glen, Motul Petit Lama, I think those are pretty locked in for the foreseeable future. And um, Dunan indicated that a fifth Michelin Endurance Cup round is not uh, likely, at least right now. Um, he also said they're talking to some other circuits for potential venues um, on the WeatherTech Championship schedule. He hinted, hinted a little bit at Ozarks International Raceway. That's going to be running with Lamborghini Super Trofeo um, in, a, in a few weeks' time as part of the SRO America event there. And they're using it as a, as a bit of a, quote, taste test to see how it could turn out. So um, interesting to see that we could have some potential calendar changes on the horizon for IMSA, but um, the big bottom line to come out of that is that no additional events, they'll be sticking to 12 events for 2024, and uh, sorry, 2023, and um, no changes to the race length. So that would mean that if Indy does get added, it would likely be a two hour, 40 minute race. So um, not exactly what Roger Penske has been proposing, but then again, we'll have to wait and see if it even happens. Uh, to get your questions answered on the next show, um, be sure to post them on the bottom of this podcast episode on SportsCar365 or use the hashtag AskDoubleStint on Twitter. Okay, Dan, we'll get to a little brief preview for what's to come this coming weekend. We have the European Le Mans Series opening the season at Paul Ricard. Also, Super GT, British GT, and SRO America in action. So, lots of racing. Um, where, where do we start? Well, we'll start at ELMS, John. 42-car um, grid for the four-hour race at Le Castellet. It's the 10th four hours of Le Castellet, so um, some significance there for the European Le Mans Series. Sort of a, a demonstration of how how long the series has been going for at such a strength, which is great to see. Um, they're actually testing at the moment. There was uh, a test day uh, earlier today on, on the Monday, as we record, which was led by Cool Racing's Yiffy Yi. Um, there's another day of testing on Tuesday, so the teams are going to be really dialed in by the end of the week, ready to get going for the weekend um, for what should be a great race. I mean, Paul Ricard, 
often produces some fantastic ELMS action. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there. Um, the entry list in itself is really exciting. We've got some uh, names of note for, for our North American listeners with uh, Zachary Rubbishon, the reigning IMSA GTD champion. He'll be lining up in a Proton Porsche. And there's also Memo Gidley, who's uh, in one of the Rinaldi racing Ferrari. So plenty of interest in the GTE ranks, but LMP2 is also looking fantastic too. I mean, it's a series that's been strong for so long. Um, 17 cars, all Oracle 07 Gibsons in the top category. Um, lots of big teams going for the win. Um, I, I think that's going to be a real highlight to watch this weekend. And with Team WRT focusing on the FIA World Endurance Championship, um, we've got uh, the opening for a new champion this season. So um, if that's going to happen, it's all going to start here at, uh, at Paul Ricard. So really looking forward to seeing how everyone gets on there. And as you say, John, it's a really busy weekend. We've got Super GT, British GT, SRO America, um, starting to feel a bit more like the racing season now with lots of different championships on at the same time. But um, those three all kicking off this weekend. Uh, Super GT with another big grid, the new Nissan making its debut. Uh, British GT, 17 cars in the GT3 category. It's the series' biggest grid since the pandemic started. Um, there at Alton Park, that's going to be a fantastic meeting as always on a great track. Um, and on the SR America front, we've got 19 cars in GT World Challenge America. Um, lots of new faces in there, some interesting entries entries too so um for sure lots of good racing going on unfortunately a lot of it um widely available online for free as well so um yeah plenty to keep an eye out for and we'll be um, doing our best to bring you all the coverage on sports car 365 yep well that's all the time we have for this week's episode remember uh, please leave a rating and review on apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice it helps us get the word out about this show we'll be back next week thanks again for listening take care and be safe